there's a special bond that develops between an organ donor and their recipient. I mean, I've called her my angel, I don't know how many times, and embarrasses her, but I'm just shocked that an actual stranger came forward. That's Renee Sample. She's waiting for a kidney that she thought might not come until Jody Wilkie entered the picture. I'm Sarah Jane Castro, and I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. And I'm your host for this edition of The Journey Continues. Renee and Jody, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Okay, I'm, I'm Renee Sample. Two adult children, one, one boy, one girl, three grandchildren. Uh, my two granddaughters are out in Phoenix, and my grandson is here locally in Champaign-Urbana. Beyond that, I, I live a simple life. Just looking forward to getting healthy because I've not felt well for about five years and I don't know what that would feel like. So I've kind of focused on maybe getting back in shape if there is such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Jody, can you tell us a little bit about yourself too? Sure. Um, my name is Jody Wilkie. Um, I am a married mother of two natural born children and three additional mm-hmm. children that I acquired by marriage. Um, I count them all as mine. They all call me mom, so they must be my kids. (laughs) I have eight grandbabies, and my parents are both healthy and still alive, and I'm very fortunate and blessed to have them here in this town. I see them all the time. My mom's going to be 82 next week. My dad's 86. I have one brother. He's healthy, too. We just, you know, I think it's such a blessing to be healthy, and if I can share that with other people, then then I want to do it. I don't want to keep it all for myself. So Renee, tell me about your uh, connection to kidney disease and organ donation. My uh, father had polycystic kidney disease, and he passed away at age 72. I'm one of 10 children, and we were told for many years that the majority of us would probably have it because it's very strong, what, genetic condition, I guess. I just turned 64. I started dialysis when... I was almost 61, so technically I was still 60. I did hemodialysis for a year, and then now I'm doing PD at home and then awaiting to be transplanted. Okay, wow. Yeah. So you've got a family history, and it sounds like you've been thinking about kidneys for a long time. So how did you meet Jody? There are times that I get very frustrated because I feel like I'm too young to be just letting this just be. And I decided I'd just get brave. And I sent an email to the local uh, television channel, WCIA, and spoke with a reporter there or, or left her an email asking if they'd be interested in doing a feature story on polycystic kidney disease. I would say within a half hour, I had a response. She reached out to me and said she wanted to do a story. The very next day, she interviewed me by Zoom, put it on television, and Jody saw it on the 10 o'clock news. And she looked me up on Facebook, sent me a message. I read it, and she had some good credentials that I thought, it seems legit because (laughs) she had been interviewed by WCIA in the past for something that she had done, um, donor-related. And I, we started talking. I mean, I've called her my angel, I don't know how many times, and embarrasses her, but I'm just shocked that an actual stranger came forward. That's amazing. I had assumed you two had been friends for years. No, you seem no. so close. So, Jody, you're already an organ donor. You yes. um, 
donated a portion of your liver. Tell me about that decision and oh. and sort of that story. Okay, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest uh, version <laughs> of it. But um, in 1983, I jumped on a plane to Spain. And in the course of that flight over to Spain, I met a girl from Minnesota and her family. And we became friends. But back in 1983, there were no cell phones or internet or anything yet. And so eventually we lost touch with each other. She lived in Minnesota. I lived in Urbana, Illinois. In 2018, the 35th anniversary of that trip rolled around. And I was thinking mm. I should write something on Facebook about, you know, that trip. It was so life-changing for me. You know, I became a Spanish teacher and all this kind of stuff. And and I thought about her. I had kept a journal, thank God, of the whole trip. And so I had her name. I remembered it anyway, but I had it written down. And I thought, I wonder if she's on Facebook. If I write this little retrospective of the trip, maybe I could, should tag her if she's on here. And so I looked her up. She had a really unusual name. And, and sure enough, there she was. And so I sent her a message and I said, you may not remember me. It's been 35 years, but da-da-da. You know, I gave her all these details about the trip so she'd know I wasn't some you know, random lunatic. <laughs> Anyways, so um, she wrote me back. And the next thing you know, we were talking to each other on the phone every so often and kind of catching up over the years. And so in one of the phone conversations that we had, uh, we started talking about, you know, getting older and how life was treating us, how our health was and all this kind of stuff. And I said, so how is the aging process treating you or something, Carrie? And she said, well, to be quite frank, I'm dying. Mm. And I thought she was oh. kidding at first. She's younger than I am. And I said, wait, what do you mean you're dying? And she had this devastating liver disease. She actually had two of them. And um, if she didn't get a transplant, she was going to die. And I'm, I was completely shocked and stunned and devastated because she had just come back into my life. I didn't want to lose her already. I hadn't even seen her in 35 years and here she was going to die and I wouldn't even get to see her again, you know. And so I said, so you have to wait for somebody to pass away before you can get a liver. And she said, no, I'm actually a good candidate for a living donor. And I said, a living donor? How can somebody donate their liver? Don't they need that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. yeah. And she said, no, you can donate part of your liver and the part that remains actually grows into the space that is left behind. So it's not that what they take away regenerates, it's the part that remains just grows bigger. So it's amazing. Yeah. You start out with a right and a left lobe. They take your right lobe when you do a liver donation and your left lobe just takes over the empty space that's left in your abdominal cavity. And I was quiet for a minute and I said, I want to help. What can I do? And she's that always makes me cry when I think yeah. about that part because I still remember what that felt like. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, are you serious? And I said, yeah. And she said, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know me. And I said, I don't care. I want to help you. And so long story short, I, I contacted Mayo Clinic and um, I had to register in order to become a living donor just to let them know that I was interested. Yeah. So six weeks later, we had surgery and um, they took out 65% of my liver and they put it inside of Carrie. And here we are almost exactly two years later and she's doing great. It was such a great experience that I wanted to do it again. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. You've yeah. already done this huge, heroic, life-saving 
act? Why was, did you want to do it again? It was so awesome. And it was such a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do it that I said, I know I can't do my liver again, but I want to do something. They said, well, you can do a kidney. And I thought, okay, well, that's great. But how do I find somebody who needs a kidney? And then this lady who's sitting right next to me came along. She was on the news. And I said, you know, I felt like God just dropped her name into my lap. And I, I thought, well, I hope she's on Facebook because I don't know how else I'm going to find her. <laughs> and she was. And I sent her a message the next day and sent her the link to the story that um, our local news had done um, about Carrie and I, you know, the year before. And I said, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm a total nut job, but, you know, I've, I've already been through this process before. I know kind of what to expect. And I would really love to help you if works out. So she said, well, I'm going through Peoria OSF. And I thought, oh, thank God, that's much closer than May. <laughs> and here we are. Wow, that's amazing. So you've already donated a portion of your liver. You've decided to donate a kidney. Does your family have any concerns about you donating two organs? That seems like it would be something that might raise some questions or some eyebrows. They have been very supportive. You know, I just, I feel like this is the right thing to do. There have been so many God signs to me that she's the person that I'm supposed to help. But that's wonderful that your family's supportive and that they're backing you through this. That's, yeah. that's really great to hear. Renee, what would it mean to you to get a, a new kidney? What would that, what doors would that open up for you? Well, um, basically I've referred to it as it's the gift of life because what I'm experiencing right now, I can tell my, my body's starting to wear out. And I said that a week or so ago, uh, I have two adult children. My son lives out in Phoenix and my daughter's here locally. And I said it not realizing the effect it would have on my daughter. And she had the saddest look, the saddest look on her face. And I didn't mean to upset her. It just kind of came out, but you know, I was just being honest that my body's wearing out because I've mm. got some more symptoms that have developed that are, you know, difficult to deal with. And I have three small grandchildren. It would be amazing to watch them grow, obviously. Yeah, that would extend your life and give you those opportunities to make those memories with your grandkids. Yeah. And yeah. So how did you feel when you got that call that Jody was a match? Well, my daughter said I didn't react properly. <laughs> <laughs> I just asked something about an appointment time, but I told, <laughs> I told Kelly, I said, Judy and I have been visiting for a while. She's not going to think that I'm being ungrateful, you know, not at all. <laughs> but I mean, Kelly's like, mom, she's, you found out she's a true donor that's been accepted. And all you did was ask something about your, your appointment time or something. <laughs> so, so anyway, it was just, it was kind of funny. It was, um, <laughs> That's all I can say. It's just kind of funny. But yeah, absolutely amazing. I'm a realist. Um, even though everything had felt good from day one, and I had a good feeling that I don't always have about things, I'm still would would say every step, well, we made it through one more hurdle, mm -hmm. but not allowing myself maybe to get too overjoyed because I know how life is. Yeah. And every yeah. time I was over at OSF, they would say, now remember things can fall apart. And it sounds like things sort of did fall apart a little bit. Your surgery it, scheduled for earlier this year, but, but was canceled five days before. Why was that? 
well, uh, definitely it was devastating. Um, we were all basically in shock. From what I understood, and I got a better understanding yesterday because I was back up at OSF for my pre-op for the next possible thing coming up. It's a gene that I had, an antibody, that 80% of the people have as well, and Jody has it. So because she's in that 80% and so am I, it wasn't going to work. So they needed to find someone in the 20% that doesn't have the same antibody. So when you got that call that the surgery was canceled, you mentioned feeling devastated. What, what went through your head when you got that call? Well, it was basically panicking because the nurse called and she asked if I was going to be home and if my daughter was with me. And Kelly happened to be with me because she's bringing over the three-year-old for me to watch for a few minutes. And I said, yeah. I, and she said, well, the doctor wants to FaceTime you guys and have a chat. And I knew they had met the day before all the, the panel of the doctors. And I, in a panic, as she was getting ready to hang up, I said, are we still on for Monday? And she says, I'll let you the, the doctor talk with you about that. Mm-hmm. I knew then it had been canceled. I just knew something had happened. And I was extremely sad. And then he eventually got around to explaining why it had been canceled. And we just sat there pretty much with our chins on our chest thinking we were five days out. We were that close. And I just asked him, I said, have you told Jody? And they hadn't yet. Man, that must have been really hard. And that, it, was. it really was. That disappointment and that devastation you mentioned isn't something we talk about very often when it comes to transplant. Mm-hmm. How did you cope or grieve with that news? I kind of shut down because I, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm a fairly optimistic person, but the past few years I've taken some hits and maybe I'm not as optimistic as I used to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just kind of shut down and thought, I guess there's a part of me that thought this would probably happen and it did. So Jody, when you got the call that your original surgery was canceled, mm-hmm. did you feel uh, that same sense of optimism or were you disappointed? I was, I was sad. I was disappointed. I was devastated. And the most prevailing emotion that I felt was fear for Renee. I love this woman. I don't want want anything to happen to her. And if I can help her and make it it be a good outcome, then I want to do that. And so, you know, that's why I jumped at the chance to enroll in the paired kidney exchange, because I thought, well, this is even better. Not only is Renee going to get a kidney, but you know, yeah, at least one other person will. Yeah, that's incredible. I know it's so fun. It's really so. Crazy. What encouragement you've done this? Well, you almost have done this twice now. So, yeah. what encouragement do you have for other folks who might be considering being living donors? Oh, that's my favorite question ever. <laughs> Please, people, if you are listening and you are even remotely considering doing this, just look into it. Do some research. Don't don't just jump in willy nilly. Do your research, but. It is so rewarding. It is so worth it. And maybe your kidney won't go to somebody you know, and that's okay too. You're helping save somebody's life. There's really nothing more exciting or rewarding or more of a privilege than to be able to say that you were able to do that for somebody. My son got me a t-shirt for Christmas that says, 
I'm a living organ donor. What's your superpower? <laughs> and I can't wait until it's warm enough for me to wear it because I may wear that every day. <laughs> I don't understand why healthy people wouldn't at least consider it. It's amazing. It's absolutely I mean, it's hard to describe the feeling. The only thing that I came up with that was even close was how I felt immediately after I gave birth to my two kids. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. The feeling of euphoria, even though it's the hardest work you've ever done in your life and it hurt like anything. When you're done, you're just like, look what what I accomplished. Look what this labor produced. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's so worth it. It's the same thing. Yeah, it hurts. Surgery hurts. Not gonna lie. The post-surgery constipation really sucks. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> but the fact that, I mean, I still get to talk to Carrie. Here I am two years later. Mm-hmm. We're still in touch. I got to see her a year ago. Mm-hmm. She passed through here with her husband on their way to Florida. They spent the winter in Florida last year before the pandemic really was just beyond being able to travel safely, especially for her since she's immune compromised. But And just to see her not yellow anymore and to see her healthy. And she said, your liver's treating me good. And I said, it's your liver now, honey. It's not mine. (laughs) Possession is nine tenths of the law. It's in your body. It's your liver. Renee, what advice or encouragement do you have for folks who might be in that slump part of the roller coaster? That feeling of disappointment or where you're not sure if a, if a donor is going to come that sort of roller coaster emotions there where things seem low. I think the being proactive, not that I have done all that much. I have a big, big thank you that I'm going to owe to WCIA because they were kind enough to do the story. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's huge because they're, they're the television station here in central Illinois. And for them to kindly do the story for me is pretty amazing. Um, I don't really have any advice. I think I just had some luck that Jody happened to be in the right spot at the right time and willing, but definitely reach out to like a radio station or a television station and ask them if they'd be interested in doing a, a feature story on your situation. You might catch them when maybe it's a slow news day and they need something to fill their, <laughs> their airwaves, you know? What about that coping part where you... You have to still wake up and put one foot in front of the other, even when when things might seem sort of bleak. Until recently, I've been very, fairly lucky. The past couple of months, I've developed a lot of trouble breathing. But prior to that, people would look at me and they say, I can't even tell you're sick. And I work still 20 some hours a week. I, I work from home though. But I just, you know, stay busy like most people would recommend. And I don't give it a lot of thought. I mean, definitely take all your medicines. Don't blow off any of your doctor's appointments or your dialysis treatments and just do what you're supposed to be doing. And hopefully, you know, something will come through and you'll be in the position to to respond. And if I could just throw in one thing, if people get to the point where they have a donor and they think everything's going to be great and then for whatever weird, fluky reason, it falls apart right before surgery, like what happened yeah. to us. Please, please, donors, consider enrolling in the Paired Kidney Exchange Program. If you have any love or affection whatsoever for your recipient, which I'm assuming you do, because why would you not? Why would you do this if you didn't? Yeah. Then 
what's the difference if your kidney goes to that person that you know and love or some stranger? They're going to get helped regardless. They're going to get a healthy kidney from somebody. It may not be you. And yes, that's disappointing, but they're still going to get one. You know, don't just say, oh, well, it didn't work out for this. I'm out. Don't don't take the easy out. That's it's just not the way to go. I don't think. Well, Renee and Jody, thank you so much for joining us on The Journey Continues. And thank you so much, Jody, for choosing to give the gift of life twice. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you for thank this you. opportunity to get the word out. I'm so happy we could do this. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Heartbreak and disappointment can be a big part of the journey to organ transplant, but it's not something we talk about very often. If you're struggling, just know you're not alone. The National Kidney Foundation of Illinois has resources to help. Visit nkfi.org to find support or learn more about finding a donor. Prevention is a big part of our mission. That's why at the end of every episode, we offer a healthy nutrition tip from our foundation dietitian, Dr. Melissa Prest. Here's today's nutrition tip about sodium. Our bodies need a small amount of sodium to function, but we typically consume much more than we need. Most of the sodium we consume in our diet is in the form of salt, which is made up of 40% sodium and 60% chloride. The words sodium and salt do not necessarily mean the same thing, but are often used to describe the same concept. For example, on the food label, the word sodium is listed to describe how much sodium is in a food product while the front of the package may list no salt or low in salt or no added salt. About 70% of the sodium in our diet comes from packaged, highly processed foods and restaurant meals. Too much sodium can increase blood pressure and high blood pressure over time is a risk factor for heart disease and strokes. It's recommended that adults consume less than 2300 milligrams a day of sodium, which is equal to one teaspoon of salt. Some people may be recommended to consume no more than 1,500 milligrams a day of sodium for some health conditions like high blood pressure or chronic kidney disease. Following a low sodium lifestyle can be made easier by choosing to follow some of the following tips. Check food labels and choose the ones with the lowest amount of sodium per serving. Pick fresh or frozen poultry that has not been injected with the sodium solution. Select condiments with care and choose ones that are reduced or lower in sodium versions. Choose canned vegetables with no added salt and frozen vegetables without salty sauces. If you have to choose a canned vegetable or canned beans with salt, drain and rinse them and you can cut up to 40% of the sodium. Flavor your foods with onion, garlic, herbs, spices, citrus juices and vinegars in place of salt. Ask at the restaurant if the dish can be made without any additional salt to it and always taste your food before adding any salt. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois.